0: I'll read first from the New King James, and I'll allude back to the NLT later on. I titled this morning's message, it's called, It's Your Turn. It's Your Turn, and uh, it'll make sense as we get into this this morning, but we'll read this together, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll take a moment here and let's pray. Paul writes this, he says, I beseech you, therefore, and the key to hold on to as we get into this this morning is that word, Therefore. It says, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we'll pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for worship this morning and song and worship and giving. Now, Lord, we love to worship you in your word. And then the ultimate end, Lord, is what this really teaches us today, is that we'll worship you with our lives, that God, we would receive all that you have for us as Isaac was praying, that we would hear your word and we would receive it, that we would uh, see it as food for our soul and that Lord, it would be digested and it would bring health, Lord, to our, our bodies, health to our spirit, health to our soul, that Lord, we might bring glory to your name. And Father, we love you so much and we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for the privilege we have to read your word together today. And Lord, we pray that, God, we would take it to heart and that as we do, Lord, it would be for our good always and for your glory. That That's our ultimate end, to bring glory to your name. And so we bless you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the women of our church, especially those who are away this weekend at the retreat, we pray that it was a time of great refreshing, just a deepening of, of relationships and friendships and making new ones and just growing closer to you. And uh, Lord, may they come home to houses that are clean and in order and, and uh, not more work to be done, uh, but Lord, to come home to a place where there's safety and security, that Lord, they're loved, they're cared for. And uh, we just thank you so much for the women of this church and what they do, both uh, in front and behind the scenes, uh, day in and day out, week in and week out. And thank you for uh, the husbands and the men of our church that make it possible for them to go and pray a blessing over them as well. And just so much in this month of November, Lord, to be thankful for. Uh, We pray for this upcoming election this coming Tuesday. Lord, we pray that, Lord, the candidates that would be elected, uh, God would make decisions that would honor you. And so we pray for wisdom, Lord, for our elected leaders. And Father, we pray that you would help us as a country to learn to live quiet and peaceable lives. Uh, Lord, bringing glory to you and understanding the great privilege that we have in a in a democracy, that Lord, whether we like the results or not, that Lord, we have the freedom to choose, the freedom to vote. And it's all the more reason, uh, Lord, for us today as a church, as we we think about elections and we think about candidates maybe being elected that maybe we don't agree with. Um, Lord, may it not become political for us, but Lord, may it be spiritual. Lord, just as we're reading here this morning, may it remind us of our need for evangelism. Lord, when people don't honor you and don't love you and don't seek, Lord, to glorify you. For the most part, Lord, we understand it's because they're only doing what, Lord, they know what to do. Sinners sin because they're sinners. And Lord, Father, we pray that, God, you would equip us, Lord, not to hate the world, but Lord, just as you, that for God so loved this world, that he gave his only begotten son, that you would help us to to love people and to, Lord, to reason. That's the beauty of your word. It's truth. And Jesus, you said it best. You said the truth you'll know and the truth will set you free. So Lord, thank you for the freedom that we get to enjoy in Jesus today. And may that freedom that we enjoy, may that be the thing that causes the rest of the world as we've been studying through the book of Romans, that it would make uh, the world sit up and take notice and want what we have because Lord, we have you. And Lord, we thank you for that today. Thank you for those reminders as we'll receive communion at the end of the service today that God you're with us you're in us and that you go with us every step of the way that no matter what's going on in this world God you're in control and Lord we love you for that we thank you for that and Lord we just look forward to what you have for us today as we pray in Jesus name amen you know one of the things I've loved about you know studying the book of Romans like I said is that it's given birth to every Great revival that's ever been recorded, you know, in church history. Um, and as we study this book, you know, I shared with you. You can kind of break it down into, to four basic. Uh, and this is just in a simplistic, you know, form. Um, it deals with you know the wrath of God, we saw that in chapters 1 through 3, and then the grace of God in chapters 4 through 8, then the plan of God, especially with regard to the nation of Israel in chapters 9 through 11. And then here this morning, we, we like I said, head into that, if it was a mile, this would be the, the last lap, like I said, into the will of God in chapters 12 through 16. And so it's kind of a pivot that the Apostle Paul makes here, you know, from the first 11 chapters that he lays out for us, you know, that all that God has done for us, you know, in Christ Jesus. And and the Apostle Paul, as he does that, like I said, he, he'll he spend these last five chapters, you know, speaking to really the church. It's not speaking to the world. It's not telling the world what the world should do. It's what the church should do. It's what we should do as the bride of Christ in response to what Paul calls the mercies of God. And he uses this word, and most of us are familiar with it. We've been speaking of it uh, three previous times here in the book of Romans. It's that word, therefore, you might highlight that. Um, That's why I chose the New King James in this, because I I love just how it expresses it in such a clear fashion. Uh, The word therefore there in verse 1, you know, that it's there to remind us of what was said previously, right? Not, you know, you look, it says, in light of everything that you've just read, therefore, there should be a response. So you might say, when you see the word therefore, it really is a, a call to action in our life. It's a call to do something. It's not just that we would be, as James said people that just you know read the word of god and hear it but that we would read the word of god with the anticipation of god's calling me to do something and lord what is it that you're calling me to do and if you look at that you know the the things that uh, where we see the word therefore the first time we saw it, it was all the way back in Romans chapter 3 uh, verse 19 and it speaks of you know condemnation it says therefore you think about that because all are what guilty before god and therefore All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and therefore death has come to all men because man has sinned against God. The second place that we saw it was in Romans chapter 5, and it speaks not of, of condemnation, but it speaks of justification, and it says being justified by Christ, what Christ has done for us, therefore, again, there's a response to that as to what? As to believe God, to trust God. To place our faith in God. The third place that we saw it was in Romans chapter 8. And it really speaks of uh, the exoneration. You know, you might say, uh, if you write that down, it'll help you as you go back and you study this. As it says there in verse 1 in Romans 8, it says, There is what? Therefore, now no condemnation for them." That are in christ jesus and so great reminder of that and then here in romans chapter 12 it really speaks of in a single word in verse 1 there of consecration you know our responsibility because we've been set free from the penalty of sin and the power of sin we're now free in our lives to do what to please god to live a holy life to please god in the things that we do and to express that freedom by the way that we live our life. That's what uh, Jesus was speaking of. You think of in in John chapter 12, verse 25, it says this. It says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. You know, one of the things like I, I was saying is that, you know, we could say this of the world, you know, I mean, we're all sinners, but we're saved and we're being not only, you know, We've been justified, but we're being sanctified, right? So as we are drawing close to the Lord and as his word, again, as Paul talks about here, not being conformed to this world, but transformed, there is a change that takes place. You know, I always like when people will express, they go, hey, I'm not, you know perfect, but I, you know, I sin less. I I sin less than what what I used to, where there's progress being made, that God, who has begun this good work in us, he's faithful to complete it. So we're moving moving closer towards him. And so here, the way that we do it, I said, you know, that sinners sin because they're sinners. I mean, I, I, you know, like you, I probably, you probably watch the news. I mean, you got to the point in the news with the election, you just start turning it off. I mean, after a while you just go, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, everyone's just going to argue about everything. And sometimes the church, we can get pulled into things that we shouldn't be pulled into. Sinners sin because what? They're sinners. That's what we do. Should we be surprised at all of the sin that's in the world? No, that's the natural, the natural man. That's what the natural man does. He does things that displease God. But again, being born again gives us the opportunity to what? To forsake those things that we used to participate in and do what? And as Paul will write here again in in Romans chapter 12, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. To be able to do what? To prove out, you know, by the way that we live our lives, the things that we believe, the things that we do, that, that what God's perfect, his acceptable will of God, what that is in our life. God has a will for your life. He has a plan for your life. And he wants us to know it. And Paul makes that really clear here. And we'll be studying that for the next you know, number of weeks as we go through these remaining chapters. And so as you look at you know, these therefores, you know, again, I, it's Paul's saying, and therefore, because what? And if you take all of Romans and you pile it all together there, you know, the previous 11 chapters, you go, because you know, we were condemned to die. He made that perfectly clear right there in chapters one through three, that all the world has sinned before God. We we deserve to die. We have earned the right. The wages of sin is what? What did Paul say? Death. Death. Yeah, we have earned the right to die. And and we get it and we understand it. And yet God in his mercy, this is what Paul says, because of the great mercies of God, he's forgiven us in Christ Jesus that he sent his son, he sent Jesus to die on a cross to take my sin and your sin and to bear it within himself and, and declare us righteous before God, to be in right standing, that my sin was placed upon Christ on the cross. Then his righteousness, Paul said, you know, using an accounting term, was imputed to me that, I, that when God looks at my account, he doesn't see my sin, he doesn't see your sin any longer. He sees the perfect righteousness of his son. And that gives us confidence and it gives us boldness before God that we could come boldly before him any time that we have a need. We don't have to turn away or shun away because of what Christ has done for us. And Paul is saying, you know, because of all those things, what should our reasonable response be? What should be, and we'll, we'll get into this further, you know, as we go along, what should the logical conclusion be to that knowledge that you and I possess about what Jesus has done for us? he says that we would give our lives completely to him, that we wouldn't follow the way of the world any longer. You know, I've shared with you numerous times, you know, from this pulpit, I used to share it all the time, you know, with our kids in youth ministry. When I was a youth pastor, I said, you know, the world, is pretty simple. It isn't that complex. The world will use you. The world will abuse you. And then when the world's done, it will lose you. That, that's the way of the world. And it is painful you know and so you know it's and again and it's so sad you know that you see it that we have followed uh, and been pressed in you know as paul says you know not to be conformed don't be pressed in you know to this world's mentality any longer and i think it's becoming more and more clear as you know our country becomes more divided about what people hold to and we're finding you know that there is a lot of christian values whether you know person is a believer in christ you know or not uh, that they hold to those <laughs> those things that we would call you know conservative you know beliefs. But I'm amazed at and I think as you are you know how easily we follow. You know Jesus said that you know my my sheep hear my voice right and they follow me. He says I'm the good shepherd and I've always shared this with you that you know being sheep isn't necessarily a great compliment in that regard. Sheep aren't the smartest animal you know uh, when, you, when you think about it. But I, I love watching uh, I. One of the, it's I I more it's more fun than television of just I'll, instead of watching TV I'll look at something that's on Instagram and I'll look at these reels because they're just real short clips and and uh, there was one that was so funny as I was studying this this week you know being not conformed to this world but being transformed by the renewing of our mind it showed a guy and it was in it was like a city like New York and it was a big that building, and he had steps like this that were coming up, and, and he was standing in front of the, the front door. There was double doors, glass doors, going to this multi-story building. And he had on one of those, you're familiar with like the, a painter's outfit. You know, they, you can just step into it, right, and you can zip it up, and then it's got a hood and stuff, like a hazmat kind of thing, but you put it on, then you can put goggles on and a face mask and stuff. Well, he put one of those white painter's outfits on, so it went all the way up, his face was sticking out, And he had some glasses on, and then he put a vest on, one of those like parking vests that you have. And he stood in front of the door, and as people came up, um, all you saw was it from the side. And the camera was on him, and people would come up, and he would go like this, and he'd hold this thing out in front of him. And they would stop, and then he'd go like this, and they'd put their arms out, and then he would wand them, Right. And he would wand both sides, and then he would go to the side, and he would go like this. And they'd go, and it was just like, there was a line of people. They just came up, and they stood right there behind him. Well, after about 15 or 20 of these, he looks over at the guy, and he holds it up. It was a lint brush. I mean, it was just, all he was doing was, you know, and no one questioned him. That's my point. No one, no one said anything to him. They just, they'd put their arms out, and he'd do this, and they'd just go on in. You go, why? Why, why would people do that? What is it yeah, but they're what's called conditioned what response right? We just condition people just and then and we can do the same thing you know in church and everything else and that's why you remember you know, when Paul talking with you know the church in Thessalonica that he talked about the Breans that they they you know he looked at them as being the the top of the heap, right? He said, because the Brians did something. The Brians came to church, you know. I mean, again, I don't care how much you you know the Bible. You don't know the Bible as much as God wants you to know the Bible, right? And there's something about carrying a Bible into church. I mean, there was a time when, I mean, you would never even have thought about not bringing a Bible to church, you know, with you. And now it's like, you know, well, you know, I just listen. I just go, and I'm going, you know, there's something about. I mean, some of the best moments, and I, I shared this with. Uh, we have some artists that are looking to come to the church. And one that I follow, uh, she said that uh, she was, they were, were in an RV because she's on tour on the East Coast. And she's got her husband and her children with her. And, and she was talking about you know, one of the kids had a meltdown and you know and everything's going on. It's just life on the road. And so I just wrote her an encouragement, encouraging note. I just said, hey, you know what? If Jesus was walking the earth today, I go, wouldn't be surprised if he was in an RV too because he did most of his miracles on what the highways and the byways. It was just a kind of a, you know, humorous thing. And I said, but don't, don't forget to stop and smell the roses like you're doing because, and the thing I want to encourage you with is, you know, as I do just studying the Psalms is that some of the best songs or Psalms were given when, in those places where you would least expect it, huh? I mean, some of the deepest hurts, the deepest sorrows, the deepest pains. And so my point in all that is is that, you know, when we have God's word, no matter what you're going through, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. I mean, he wants to speak to you today. Again, it's like manna, right? It's like Isaac was saying, it's like fresh bread. That is, you're opening that word and you're looking at that word. If we're going to truly be what, what Jesus is telling us here in Romans 12, One and two is not being conformed to this world because if you're sitting there by yourself without studying, looking at God's word, I can tell you your mind just goes in a million and nine different places. It's just the way the human mind works. But the more focused that we become, and that's really what Paul is talking about here, is not becoming like the world around us. That, you know, the Greeks were there. I mean, they were definitely into knowledge and they were, you know, sitting, they would sit and it's like, "Mm -hmm." but they were sitting in the most sense in the, in judgment. There's a difference as we sit before God and we're receiving God's word to have that word right in front of you, to be reading it for yourself Process And let the Holy Spirit speak that to you. And I mean, it's amazing what will happen. And especially if you take notes. I mean, the Lord will quicken things in your heart. You know, one of the joys I have in life, you know, with Armin uh, Savage. Uh, Armin will text me a lot of times after service. And he'll give me a verse right after first service. I'll use it in second service. Uh, because he'll go, Mike, you know, as I, you, you're teaching the Lord, quicken this verse to my mind. And, and I'm like, man, Lord, you know the uh, arm that was better than the verse i had uh i'm gonna use that one you know and and i will and i'll use it in the, in the next service that's the beauty of when you're 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 taking god's word in i mean we can only cover so much text in a given day this is 66 books right that god's given us and so again i just want to encourage you with with this because i mean god has something you know for us that he wants us to take and, and he wants us to apply it isn't just coming to church, you know, and going, hey, and yes, we're we're here and worshiping God and singing and giving and, and listening, but the greatest, the greatest really aspect of our love is the application that's lived out in our life on a day-to-day basis. And and that's really what Paul, he's going, in light of everything, the mercies of God that he, we just spent the last 11 chapters going over. This is your logical, this is your reasonable act of worship. In the NLT translation, you know, again, um, you know, understand this, you know, as Paul is admonishing us here, we don't, we're not being called to die for Jesus. Now, some people do. There we call martyrs, right? People give their life for the cause of Christ, and it's still happening in greater numbers today than it has in any century you know, since Christ was on this earth. And so we do know that people are dying, but that's not what Paul is talking about. He's saying, because Christ died for you, I mean, just the nuts and bolts of it, he's going, we should want to live for him. Amen? Because he died for you, we should desire to live for him. See, he took my place, right? He died for me so that I could live. I think we understand that, right? And, and again, but it's not just live for him in eternity. It's live for him now. That he would be the one that would direct the course of my day and the things that I would do. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the NLT translation uh, it says this. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and and perfect see paul knew all about gnosticism you know the gnostics there you know the greeks i mean it's gnosis in the greek language they believed you know that that this higher knowledge was only attainable by a few number of people it wasn't the common person that that could reach this place you know they, they borrowed that from you know the the philosopher plato and they, they taught basically that you know, redemption comes from really from nurturing you know, the, the intellect and, and really um, coming to a place where you know, we depreciate you know, uh, bodily existence. So they really didn't put any stock in the body at all. For the most part, you could, they believed you could do what you wanted to in the flesh because it was only with your spirit or your mind that you actually worship God. And, and we kind of see that you know, in our world today. And so their, their teaching really taught to free the body from the mind, and that practice still exists today. And and it creeps into Christian doctrine. Matter of fact, it's one of the reasons that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, the very letters that he did, um, because we see the, the sexual sin, the sins of the body uh, that existed there. And again, you know, Paul's speaking against that, it just affirms this here. In Romans chapter 12 so Paul you know basically he's affirming you know what Jesus taught us and and basically it's this that Jesus came to redeem what the body the soul and the spirit he didn't just come to redeem your spirit he came you're gonna you're gonna get obviously a new body at one time this physical body has to die because of sin mortality must put on immortality. But when Jesus returns, that body is going to be resurrected and it's going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. And so, you know, as Paul is bringing to us here, you know, God didn't just offer us, you know, forgiveness in his son. Uh, he adopted us into his family. And it didn't just end there, if you think about this. I mean, he promised, as we look here in, in communion today, he promised what? To be with us. He'll be in us. He'll go with us every day place that we go, as he reminded us in the book of Romans in chapter eight, what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And Paul's saying, so in light of all that, in light of everything that God has done for you, the reasonable thing that we should do is go all in with God. I mean, it it really is, is no more complex than that, is to give God everything. And that includes our bodies. And again, the reference most likely that Paul's making here you know, is a reference to the Old Testament priest who offered the sacrifice. And again, they would first consecrate themselves, make themselves you know, clean before God. Uh, there would be a sacrifice that was made on their behalf. You know, and then I think you know what Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, he says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what Paul really is referencing, you know, what Peter's pointing out to, it's just like the, the priest in the Old Testament, you know, they offered sacrifices, what? On the altar, and that sacrifice was consumed completely, right? It was completely consumed unto the Lord. And the same thing what Paul is saying about our lives. We're not to die as we place ourselves, you know, on the altar there. We place ourselves to live for him. That we're admitting, you know, that we belong to God. And that with every fiber of our being, that we're going, God, I'm giving it to you. We think about, you know, in a marriage of sorts, uh, you know, we are the bride of Christ and he's the groom. And that we give ourselves, you know, completely to the Lord and to his work and to his will. See, our bodies, your physical body, my physical body, carries the Holy Spirit, obviously, that lives within us. You know, so every man or woman of God that was ever used by him did so because they did what? They availed themselves to God. They allowed God to move in and through them. They didn't, they didn't quench the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, when he moves in our life, he's usually calling us to do something, right? And we either have to go along with it or we don't. I always think of Isaiah, you know, the first one as I was studying this, Isaiah chapter six, verses one through nine came to mind. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and above it stood seraphim. Each had six wings with two, he covered his face and with two, he covered his feet and with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It says and the post of and the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke so i said woe is me so when he saw god for who he is he says woe is me for i am undone because i am a man of unclean lips and i dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your inequity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And so when you picture this, you go, Here's someone who saw themselves undone because of sin who needed a cleansing. And when the, the angel took that coal off the altar, that's, that's a sign of purification, and, and touched his lips. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. And then God cleansed him. God purged him of that. And then what was the natural response for Isaiah? He said, and he said, he said to us, who will go? Who will go for us? And he says, and then I said, here I am. Send me. And he said, go, go and tell this people. And what was true for Isaiah is true for me and you. Have you been touched by the Lord? Have you been cleansed by the Lord? You were cleansed with a plan, with a purpose, with a will that God has for your life, for your good, and ultimately for his glory. David, you know, was the other that I thought of in the Psalms and Psalm 51, seven through 13, you know, after his sin with Bathsheba, He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. And then what does he say? And that God, after you've done all that for me, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. It's exactly what Paul's saying in light of his mercy in your life, what God has done for you. We deserved hell and in his mercy, because what is mercy? By simple definition, we say mercy is what not getting what I deserve, right? Grace is what getting what I don't deserve. And so Paul is talking about his mercy, that we didn't get what we deserve. He's saying in light of that, what, what should we do? What should our logical, what should our natural response be to the mercy of God that he has shown me and that he's shown you? He's going that we would live for him, that we would go wherever he calls us to go, that we would do whatever he calls us to do. You know, I know sometimes, you know, people are, are fearful. They all, oh, you know, but you don't know my past. You know, Pastor Mike, you know, I always love that expression. You know, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I mean, you think about it, who he used in scripture. Just men and women who are what? Moved by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's exactly who we are in Christ Jesus. Another, you know, quote I thought of this week, you know, with that was, God doesn't call the qualified God qualifies the call. I mean, it's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, this is what Paul just keeps bringing. He's like, you know, therefore, I mean, because of what Christ has done for us, you know, who does God use? You know, people go, oh, I don't know. How, 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 how could I be used of God? How? You, you know what the number one thing most of the time for people being used? They're available. They're available. I mean, think about it. They were available. People go, ah, oh, they're either too busy, don't have time. You know, I mean, it's like you know, asking for volunteers. You know, in the church, you go, hey, there's things that you know we could have you do, da da da, da. And then people, go, oh, you know, well, I didn't know. And you go, well, how, how did how they get? How did they when you'll see pictures and they go, well, why did they get to go and how come I didn't get to go? And you go, they were there. It was in the bullet and it said, come one, come all. And they came, they showed up, you know, whether we forgot or we just weren't, you know, interested, whatever the thing is, you go availability, being available to God. And you go, and what stirs that availability? Obviously, we look at Isaiah's life and we look at David's life was the awareness of, of who they are without God. You know, we were lost in our sin. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. David says, you know, my bones in Psalm 32, it says they, 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 hurt. They, they waxed within me everything because he wouldn't repent. It took him a year from the time that he sinned with Bathsheba to the time that Nathan, the prophet confronted him and it says that his bones just hurt within him. But man, once he experienced the freedom of God that comes because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, he goes, man, Lord, I'll turn sinners to you. <laughs> you know, Isaiah, I'll go, you know. And you go, and that should be the cry of our heart. And you go, how does that come about? You know, again, look there at Romans 12, 1. It says, Paul says, I beseech you. You know, some, uh, we think of the word beseech there. You know, it's almost the term beg. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body. So it starts by giving your body. There you go, I'm all in. Because you can, you know, It's like, I I love that little story about the, the mom who's driving back in the day when, you know, you didn't have to have seatbelts, you know, and the little, her little boys standing up in the front seat and she's telling him to sit down and he's jumping up and down. It was on a bench seat. So she reaches over there and, you know, like said, she grabs him and forces him down in the seat and he folds his little arms and he looks at her and he says, mom, he said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside, you know, and I love that because I can picture that And I was that little boy too. Um, you know, and so I totally understand it. But you think about, you know, being all in and starting with, you know, you think, well, it starts in our minds. You go, no, it starts with your body. It's get there, you know, and it's amazing what happens. I mean, it's like the the father who has two sons, right? And he tells his sons, he says, you know, go work in the field for me. And the oldest son says, ah, I'm not going to work in the field or says, I will go work in the field, you know. And and then walks out the door and says, eh, "I'm not going to do it." And then the other son says, "I'm not going to work in the field." Says, and he walks out and he feels bad. I should have, you know, I should have done it. And he says, and he goes and he goes and works in the field. And Scripture says, which of these two sons is justified? The one who said he was going to do it and and didn't, or the one who said he wasn't going to do it but ended up doing it? And you go, obviously, Jesus said it was the, it was the second, the one who did it. And that's so much about our bodies, you know, just being there. Just being there is the call, you know. And he says, so I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body. So that that's the first step. First step, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Not dying, but living. Go, God, whatever it is that you want, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to serve you. you know, it's one of the things I, I love about Jason, you know, as, as an assistant pastor. Um, you know, most of the time, you know, Jason will when something comes up and we're working on something, he'll just go, his response to me almost hundred percent of the time is, Hey, you know, pastor Mike, what is it that you need me to do? What do you need me to do? It's not, he didn't come, Hey, I'll do this or I'll do this or I'll do this. Or I'll, you know, Hey, we think we should do this. He's like, what do you need me to do? Which forces the conversation oftentimes to go, okay, what do you think? You know, it's not me just going, hey, you go do this or you go do this, but it's that, that heart of my, hey, I know, I know I can count on him. I know that his, his body's there. Uh, I had a situation last night, I uh, was helping out my wife, uh, she's at the retreat and so she has a little side business. And so uh, Judy and Sylvia were very gracious to take her stuff and sell it. I just had to deliver it over there and then go pick it up. Um, and so I told Sylvia, sell everything just sell everything i don't care if you have to sell it for a dollar just sell everything i don't want to pick up anything well when i got at home um i wanted to watch the end of the the tennessee uh georgia game so i was gonna go to an event last night and uh so it was gonna be was about 4 45 so i'm in a hurry so i go out and i grab the lumber out of the back of the thing and i've got it in both sides and there's all these pieces and some of them the turn, you know, and they, so I'm walking real fast and, and I get inside my gate and one of the pieces hits the, hits the side of the, the gate and it hits and you know how that works and it turns, you know, then. So I end up turning Well, it hit the other side of the thing. So I'm, I'm in the air like this. And I, so I go down, I roll over my shoulder and I'm just laying there on the ground. But here's the sad thing. It, it hurt my shoulder and hurt really, really bad but I was more concerned if somebody saw me than anything else. Have you ever been in that situation? (laughs) I'm laying on the ground and I'm trying to get up really fast, but I got this piece of wood across my head. So I'm looking out the driveway because I have the gate open with a rock on the ground. And then I'm looking out to the golf course the other way. I'm like, okay, nobody saw me. I can can get up and be in in pain, you know, but um, I was in so much pain. I I got a hold of Jason. I say, Jason, I don't know if I'm going to try it and uh, I'm going to take a shower and, take some uh, stuff, but I mean, if I can't, he's just, his response was, whatever you need me to do, just whatever you need. Your, your body is just being there and you go in the rest of it. Like I said, it's an amazing, amazing thing. He says that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. He says, which is what your reasonable service. And you think about that your reasonable service. And so when I think you know, through this, he says, you know, and I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you, know, you go think back to you know, Romans chapter three, verse 12, it says, and again, it says, they've all turned aside. It says, they have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And it says, their throat is open. It's an open tomb in their tongues. They have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And he goes, What is the point in that? Human depravity is expressed through what? Physical bodies. Human depravity is expressed through human bodies. It's our body that carries out ultimately what we believe. That word reasonable, there, you know, that Paul uses, like I said, in the Greek language, it's the, the word uh, logios. It's, and it's where we get our English word logic or logical. And Paul's saying, you know, when you consider the mercies of God, like I said, and what he's done for you, he goes, it's only logical. Your only logical response is to give yourself, your body to God and say, God, I belong to you. What do you want to do? I'm here, I'm all yours, I'm all in. And you, th- and you think about that. Where would you have me go? And you think about you know, how much in our life we make the decisions like where I'm gonna go, where I'm not gonna go, what I'm gonna do. And you go, but we gave that right up when you gave your life to God. And you go, God, even if what, you know, Romans chapter 8 reminds us that even when what? It's uncomfortable, right? All things work together for good. That doesn't mean all things are good. And it definitely doesn't mean that all things are comfortable for us. But all things work together for good to them that love God. Look there in verse 2, then again, in Romans twelve two. I'm reading from the New King James here, and he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what is he saying? Be completely changed by what? The renewing of your mind. Change the way that you think. We think about repentance as a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of will, changing direction from the way you were going to the will and the way of God. It doesn't just mean change your mind and go a different direction. As people will say, no, it's to turn from your way to turn to God's way. And again, it's giving our, our, our bodies to God that leads to this transformation. And oftentimes people think it's the other way around. It's like, no. I mean, once, you know, it's like, have you ever not wanted to go somewhere? Raise your hand. Have you ever not wanted to go somewhere? Yeah. And have you got to that place that you didn't want to go, that once you got there, it was actually okay? You ever been in that situation? You go, and then you kind of feel bad. You go, man, but what happened? Because your body was there, and you kind of just went, well, I'm, I'm here. I might as well what? Enjoy, Enjoy myself. myself. That's right. And so your body being there led to What? a transformation in the way that you thought about it. I'm not going, I'm not going to have any fun, da, da, da. And then it's fun to people. Hey, I thought you said you weren't going to have any fun. I thought you said you weren't going to enjoy this. You know, next thing you know, they're over there. It's, I, I do it, but I can't. It hurt my arm. <laughs> it's you just, They're over there, you know, doing some kind of dance or something. And you're looking at them. You're going, oh, you're having a lot of fun for somebody who really didn't want to be here. You go, but there's something about that, right? When Man, when our bodies, when we're in... And everything else starts to come along with it one way or the other. And, and I love that expression, you know, by Ralph Waldo Emerson, that quote, he says, you know, sow a thought, he says, and you reap an action, sow an act, and you reap a habit, sow a habit, and you reap a character, sow a character, and you reap a destiny. Yeah, our thought process definitely plays an important role. But Jesus in this, you know, what is he doing? He's calling us to be nonconformists and that 's and that's difficult in the world today, because especially of social media, because social media is instant isn 't it I mean I mean there was a, a thing that the White House put out the other day, and they wanted to retract it because it was actually illegal, and so they they actually erased it, they took it down. Well, it's illegal for the White House to take it down. You and I can take stuff down, but the government can't, and, and it's due to the Information Act. So Freedom of Information Act. So you, you can't just you know hide your trail when you you do something that maybe is not ethical or, or legal. Um, and so, again, it's one of those things where, you know we got to be really careful, you know, the things that we think because and post out there because immediately, in this world today, somebody can capture it and they do. And it's one of the things that is why many in the church today are afraid to say anything or to get involved and do anything because they're so worried about what the world thinks. You know, I love that expression of, you know, if we knew how little people thought about us, we wouldn't worry what people thought about us, right? In the truest sense, but we do. We, we, we struggle with, you know, what, what will people think if I, if I say this or I post this up? Because like I said, social media can be instant people can run with it immediately there. And yet Jesus calls us to not conform to this world. I think back to Leviticus chapter 18, when uh, Moses speaking to the children of Israel, and he says, and again, and I love this expression, Moses says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord, your God, according to the doings of the land of Egypt.'" where you dwelt. So he's talking to the children of Israel as they've come out of the bondage of the Egyptians, right? So they lived amongst the Egyptians who obviously were not god-fearing people. They understood the customs and the ways of the Egyptians here. And so God tells them, and tells Moses he says, "You shall not do according to the doings of the land of Canaan." where I'm bringing you and you shall not do nor shall you walk in their ordinances you shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them I am the Lord your God and you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments which if a man does he shall live by them I am the Lord so God's telling Moses tell the children of Israel as you've come out of the bondage of the Egyptians that way of life you're going into another land where they're they're even worse and to not Again, become like the place that you're going. He's in, in a sense, God is telling him, be a nonconformist. Do not, Do not conform. Do not seek to fit in. And we work so hard, even in the church. Oftentimes, you know, one of the things that's discouraging as I look at church life is, it, is are we impacting the world or is the world impacting us? And it's a great question. You know, people oftentimes go, why can't we do this? Just like the world does it. You know, we should bring those practices into the church. And you go, man, but God's called us to, to walk to the beat of a different drummer. We're to be nonconformist, not to conform to this world. I I like that t-shirt. You know, most of you are familiar with them. Not of this world. It's just a great reminder. We're not of this world. You know, John would write 1 John 2, 15 through 17. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I like what J.B. Phillips in his translation of verse 2 says puts it like this, is don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. It's a great visual. don't don't the world you ever feel like that? The world is trying to squeeze you in. It is. You know, it's been well said, you know, even dead fish can go with the flow. You know, God's called us to do what? Swim upstream. Go in the opposite direction. Why? Why do we why do we conform to this world? You think about it, like I said, fear. The fear of the backlash. What people might write, what they might say. Like I said, social media's ability to push information out in real time. I mean, cancel culture, you know, this what we call wokeism, you know, today. I mean, again, wanting people to not think for themselves, you know. And Paul, like I said, admonished, you know, the Bereans, be be those people that think for yourself. Yeah, come to church, listen, but study God's word for yourself. Understand that he has a will for your life. He has a purpose. He has a plan that he wants to implement in your life. But you have to be willing to do what? To accept it and be willing to say, Lord, send me. Go, as Jesus said, my disciples go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, then celebrate the fact that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so I guess I'd ask you, you know, as we wrap this up, do our minds, do they matter to God? Does your mind matter? Your body matters? Jesus said, you know, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know, when you don't give into the world, you know, instead, you know, we start to think th- through things biblically You know, we start to prove out in our life exactly what Paul said. We're gonna prove what is good and what is acceptable and what that perfect will of God is. You know, because I, I believe, you know, down deep inside every human being, at some point, we're all questioning, you know, why am I here? You know, what what's my purpose? What's my place in this world? And Paul's saying, You want to discover that? How does it start? Not because you start thinking the right thoughts, it's because you surrender your life to God. So you're not gonna do this in pieces. At some point, you have to make a commitment. You have to say, okay, Lord, I surrender. Like I said, the world sinners in the sense sin because they're sinners. Saints, you can say, you know we surrender that, that's the life of the believer we are continually surrendering ourselves to god not my will as i was sharing with you not my will but what but thine be done we're constantly praying that you know i have a will you have a will and to submit that will to the will of god you know coming to him every day and going lord you know you your plan's better than my plan you know father knows best and so when you and i start to you know critically think about, you know, our relationship with God. We think about his word, what God desires, what he wants, what happens. My heart changes and your heart changes. Like I said, it's like, you know, being there, right? You know, like, like I said, you go, I don't want to go. I don't want to be there. I don't want to do And then you get there and all of a sudden you go, wow. You submit your, your body, you surrender. And then all of a sudden, this is what gives birth to the heart change. I like what Augustine said. He said, love God and do as you please. Now people have taken that and blown it all out of proportion, but you know, what do you think he meant by that? Love God and then do what you please. you have a thought on that? What, is, what he explained was to love God and do as you please is when you love God, what are you gonna do? You're gonna do what pleases him, you know? I mean, my wife's gone this weekend at a retreat. Do you think she can come home this weekend and know if I thought about her at all this weekend while I was gone? You think, could she? Could she? And, and she could know that I, I thought about her because I could say, I thought about you, right? Or if she comes home, how about the house is clean? How about the beds made? Okay. How about I vacuumed? How about I did the laundry? Right? See, when you love somebody, what do you do? You want to do things that please them, right? That, that, you, don't, you don't call that work. It can be work, but you go, But it's not that it's work. You go, I love you, so I know the best way that I can communicate my love for my wife on a human level is by the things that I do. Yes, it's things that I say, but actions speak what? And that's really what Paul is telling us here. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed so that your life lives out, your life proves out your love for God by the things that you do. Our lives, like I said, prove on a day-to-day basis what we we truly love. We prove our love for God by our actions. Remember, you know, in Romans 12, who's Paul writing to? Is he writing to the world? No, is he writing to the Jews? No, he's writing to the brethren, right? I, I don't expect the world to do these things. I don't expect the world to adopt Christian principles. It's for the church. It's for us. Like I said, it's why we evangelize. You can't legislate morality. As much as the church is trying to, you can't. It's impossible. You can pass laws. What do people do? They Just break the law, right? It's not going to happen. But because we're saints, Paul's saying we surrender That's verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Good and acceptable just simply means this, what's pleasing to God. Because what's pleasing to God will be pleasing to us too. Psalm 34, excuse me, 37.4 NLT says this, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. People go, oh, if I delight myself in the Lord, he'll give me my heart's desire. And you go, yeah, because your heart's desire will be his desire. It's really that simple. Your heart and his heart will begin to match up. The thing I want to leave you with as we... Well, i'll invite the worship team to come up and just prepare our hearts for communion this morning it's kind of a little litmus test as we prepare for communion and again i'll invite the isaac and the guys they can come on up and but it's a little litmus test before we go you think about your life today and think about my life today and if we're honest and we say you know i am dissatisfied if you'd be here today and you say you know pastor mike i am dissatisfied with my life little litmus test what that means is I'm still being conformed to this world and there's an invitation you know from Jesus today we can fix it by accepting what Christ has done for us on the cross accepting the forgiveness for our sin for our failure and then presenting our bodies to God you know God I I belong to you I'm yours I'm willing, you wash me, you cleanse me. That's what he promised that he would do by his shed blood on the cross. And you go, then I'm yours. You send me wherever you want to go to do whatever you want me to do because I know that it's good and I know that it's pleasing and I know that it will glorify you. That's the heart of the believer. That's really what this is all about. And this is what he'll spend the next, like I said, five chapters, just walking through practical ways that you and I, can live out our faith, but it begins by with your body going all in and go, God, I am all in. And then knowing as you do that, then your heart and your mind and everything will begin to align itself as you align yourself with the things of God. And so as we receive communion, you know, Paul would say, and it's a great reminder, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, you know, uh, we should examine ourselves, examine ourselves to see, are we in the faith? And, and again, the judgment that that Paul talks about, there isn't eternal judgment. It's really the discipline of the Lord. Is that we we allow God to discipline us. So we go, Lord, is there, you know, if there's areas of my life where I'm dissatisfied, you go, God, I, I want you to to correct those things in me, discipline those things. As a loving father uh, loves his kids, you go, bring about that change in my heart. I'm I'm, I'm wanting what you want. I want to be who you want me to be. I wanna go where you want me to go. I wanna do the things that you want me to do. But there's a battle that rages within me. And so Lord, I, I'm submitting myself. I'm surrendering afresh. And you can do that today. And you can experience the peace of God in a, in a fresh way today. The Bible says that the mercies of God, they're new every morning and great is his faithfulness. But don't, don't walk out of here and go, oh, everything's, you know, uh, it's, everything's good in the true sense if you're dissatisfied ask the lord to identify those things in your heart today where you're still conforming to the world you're still worried about what people think or what people will say and you go i i I need to give that that part of my life that's your body you give that to god today and you watch what god does with that it's an amazing thing and paul says you know speaking from his own personal experience he's going because of the mercies of God. It's just the logical thing to do. It's the best thing. It's the good thing. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I thank you for communion Sundays where we can just take a moment and just appreciate you afresh and what you've done for us that you remind us. You said every time, and Lord, we do, we forget. You said, so every time we, we take this bread and this cup, we remember. And so today we wanna to remember, God, how good you are. And that, Lord, though we were dead in our trespasses and sin, because of Jesus, you made us alive together in you. And so, Lord, be glorified in this time. Help us to look within our hearts, find those areas, Lord, where we need uh, your help, your discipline, your love, a touch from you. That, Lord, when we leave this place, we're reminded afresh that you love us. God, that you care for us, that you're working in us to bring us to a glorious end. And as we go from this place today, that God, you go with us. You're in us. You're with us. You're leading. You're guiding. Help us to not quench your spirit, Lord, but to be obedient to the things that you call us to do as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in churches, you...